0: From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. Have you heard about SPACs, also known as special purpose acquisition companies or blank check companies? They've become a hot commodity in recent years. SPACs are created by investors to raise money through IPOs in order to buy other companies, with the investors often not knowing what the acquired company will be. Firms like WeWork and DraftKings have established their own SPACs, and the speculative nature and promise of large gains has turned the practice into a major boon for Wall Street. That is until the SEC announced some rule changes earlier this year that made executing a SPAC a lot more complicated. So we've now reached the point where some of the SPACs launched during the boom times need to be unraveled. And that's creating all kinds of unique tax considerations and other issues. Victor Hollander, a partner in tax at the law firm Skadden, has been advising clients on SPAC trends. And he spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Jeff Leon about the d spac process, such as it is, and where he sees this trend moving next.
1: SPACs are a unique type of public entity. Unlike a traditional IPO where you have an operating business that goes public and lists its shares on an exchange. A SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, is essentially a cash box. It goes public and it raises cash and the cash gets put into a trust account and then the sponsor team that formed the SPAC starts to look for a deal. It starts to look for an operating company that it can acquire. And it has 24 months from the time that the IPO is launched to basically complete the business combination. Otherwise, it has to liquidate and give the money in the trust account back to the public. Another interesting aspect of a SPAC, which is uh, unusual, um, is what's called the founder shares. So the sponsor that that forms the SPAC and that arranges for it to go public, they also own what are called founder shares in, in the SPAC. And founder shares are purchased usually for a small amount of cash. It's, it's typically $25,000. And the founder shares are convertible into shares of the publicly traded company. And what's interesting about that is it's basically an entitlement to the capital. And it's paid out of capital as long as the SPAC actually finds a, a partner to do a business combination it's very different than the type of promotes or carried interests in, in private equity where the holder of the private of the uh, of the promoter the or the carried interest is only entitled to be paid to the extent that there that there are profits
0: what are some of the, uh, the the key specific tax features of spacs that are kind of like unique to them
1: sure yeah no there there are there are plenty of interesting tax issues that that spacs raise both when you when you form a SPAC and when you subsequently do a business combination with a SPAC, there are a number of tax issues. I, I would say, the one of the key issues relates to the founder shares, because these these founder shares, you know, given the the economics, could often be could often end up being worth tens of millions, and in some cases hundreds of millions of dollars, and the purchase price is is typically only twenty five thousand. And so you get into this question of whether there's some kind of disguised compensation, and really the uh, the entitlement to the founder shares is really com- is really compensation taxed as ordinary income rather than potentially long-term capital gain, which is more favorably taxed. You then end up with shares that have significant built-in gain. The basis is very low, twenty-five thousand dollars. The fair market value is potentially very high, tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and we refer to that as, as really a hot potato in the sense that you don't want to trigger gain on those shares, especially in a transaction that doesn't generate any cash. That's the proverbial phantom income event that we all try so hard to avoid. What are,
0: I guess, some of the questions that you're getting, like, frequently from your clients when it comes to, like, the tax structuring? I guess, what, what things are people bringing to you? Because it seems like there's a lot of things to be aware of.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of the structuring for the founder shares and minimizing the issues regarding compensation um, is certainly um, an important element of it. Uh, another important element of it is relates to what what, what people call the DSPACs. Which is the the subsequent transaction where you combine with an operating company, so you no longer are a special purpose company. You've combined with the operating company, and you now have a combined company that's publicly traded. So you've effectively de would is how people colloquially refer to it. And clients will oftentimes be very conscious of structuring that in a tax in a tax-efficient way. So I, I'll give you the. The basic transaction is I have a Delaware SPAC and the Delaware SPAC finds a Delaware target and we could do a, you know, we could simply do a reverse subsidiary merger um, whereby we can have the Delaware SPAC form a merger subsidiary. Merger subsidiary will merge with and into the target with target surviving. And and in transactions where it's mostly stock, that's, you know, it's a tax-free transaction um, we might do a two-step, whereby the target either merges upstream into the into the SPAC or into a sister LLC. Um, so that there's the base case that provides for a tax-free reorganization, and and that's pretty straightforward. Sometimes you have a Cayman SPAC. Many SPACs out there actually are formed in the Cayman Islands rather than in Delaware. And if you have a Cayman SPAC that uh, basically finds a domestic target, the typical transaction is for the Cayman back SPAC to domesticate, become a Delaware company and then immediately engage in either the merger or a share exchange transaction on a tax-free basis. The, what's interesting though is sometimes you run into situations, especially if you have a foreign target, where for a variety of reasons, and it oftentimes could, uh, it oftentimes relates to tax considerations in the foreign jurisdiction, the the target company, the foreign target company has to be the acquirer. It has to acquire the SPAC so that at the end of the day, the SPAC becomes a subsidiary of uh, of the foreign target. And that may relate to indirect capital gains tax issues for the shareholders of the foreign target. They simply can't Exchange their foreign target shares for SPAC shares, the more conventional route, without triggering some significant tax in their foreign jurisdictions. In that situation, there is significant uncertainty as to whether that's a good tax free reorganization. The other, you know, final point I'll raise on structuring considerations related to a DSPAC is the warrants in the capital structure for the SPAC raise a whole host of. Of interesting issues for, for tax lawyers
0: um, as the spec market slows down and kind of like the D spec work um, starts to pick up, you know kind of where do you see things moving next? Where do you see the markets moving next?
1: Yeah, I look, I, I think you know the interesting aspects of these of these vehicles is that they have really a two-year life, and, and some of the newer specs that are being formed even have a shorter 18 month life and and given the way the founder shares economics work, whereby if you successfully do a deal, your founder shares can end up uh, turning into a significant number of public shares. But if you don't do a deal and you liquidate, they're worthless, right? There's gonna be uh, an enormous incentive to start getting deals done. Um, And there was quite a bit of, there are quite a number of SPACs that were formed uh, fourth quarter of 2020. Um, So I, I see a lot of activity ahead next year Second, third quarter, I would say, of 2022, um, whereby a number of SPACs are going to start to um, enter into business combinations. I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of discussion on more novel transactions. For example, having more than one SPAC together uh, acquire a public company. I mean, there's been discussion of that. We've seen discussion of two operating companies combining with a SPAC. I mean, people are getting very creative out there in terms of how to use SPACs in in deal-making. And I think um, we're going to start seeing that more and more next year, 2022. That was Victor Hollander, a partner in tax at
0: Skadden, speaking with Jeff Leon. You can find up to the minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Jeff Leon. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening, and have a lovely Thanksgiving.
1: The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business, and these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.